Guy. Brando. So I'm thinking about all this ridiculous stuff. My girl gets in my car and she finds one of those Victoria's Secret um, sprays. <laughs> and her first question to me is, her first question to me is, what's going on here? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> what? How do you immediately jump to what's going on here? I have a sister, first of all, ma'am. Ma'am, I've got a sister. I didn't expect <laughs> it to go any other way. <laughs> What's going on here? Well, apparently, you sat down here and found something that's been here. Wow, you handled that. Maybe maybe I'm traumatized, because I expected it to go south. But maybe I'm traumatized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because you're toxic, that's why. Maybe. It's because you're... T- maybe... <laughs> Or maybe those aren't pantyhose in my back. See, maybe, maybe it's just a do right. Maybe, maybe it's just a do right. Listen, listen. Before we even get into who's toxic and who's not toxic, we'd be remiss if we didn't start this podcast off the right way. Wow, it feels so good to be back in here. This is episode six of the All the Way Live podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. Whether it's ten people. 20 people, 100 people, 1,000 people, a million people. Each and every one of you is appreciated. Thank you for joining us. Come on in. Grab a seat. Uh, have a Grab a plate. Sit down. You feel me? We got Siri coming in and talking, talking about no sweat. Um, you know, <laughs> this ain't never more than a conversation between two brothers, two best friends, getting into things that we care about between life, love, politics, and anything that falls in between that. It's your boys with like Gila holding down. It's your boy, Miles Xavier, impressed by the intro. Hi, <laughs> just like that, we tapped on into the All The Way Live podcast. Welcome, man. Body, body, Wow. I feel welcome. Siri felt welcome. I hope the people hope y'all feel welcome. We getting there. We getting there. We getting there. It's, it's going, man. It grows. Like that's such a. It's like therapy, you know. You don't you like roll a J by yourself and like that whole process is therapy. This is that portion is a therapeutic thing for me. I think. Yeah. Unroll. Unroll your week, boys, brother. Dap in. Dap in. Unroll your week. Indeed. What it be like? Listen, man, this week has been stressful. This week has been very stressful. This week has been full of activities for both of us. We have been everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Uh, Mm. We have been moving quickly and patiently at the same time. Uh, Personally, you know, we've been focused this side on, you know, some monetary moves, some business moves, which are looking promising. But more importantly, we are trying to find a way to keep feeding these kids trying to find a way to keep feeding these kids, man. And, like, that's actually some a conversation I wanted to get, in, get into with you about, which is just, like, bro, why is it so difficult to be able to help people? Like, it is – it's not an easy – you think it's easy to help people, but it's actually so much more difficult than you think. Yeah, I think the – I think just the way that, like – well, 
from the time, at least in this country, right? You're a kid and then you're put in school. And then from the time you're in school, right, you're on your track. You're supposed to get your grades to do the best you can on your tests and get to the best school you can to get the best job you can. The system ain't really designed for you to start influencing other people's experience, right? You know what I mean? You have individual people that are selected to do that. You get celebrities that are kind of plucked out of individual society. And then you get like kind of politicians that kind of work towards that after a certain point in life. And you get like business people that create a, that serve a need that, you know, get there because they hit a nation society, but it's yeah. not really, it's not really built for you to, uh, you know what I mean? Influence other people's experiences of life, you know? So it doesn't seem that way. Yeah. It doesn't seem that way. Like for something as simple as, you know, we've, we've got a partnership with a bread company to be able to give out some, a certain amount of allocated bread. And we were talking with some of our sponsors, uh, some of the teams that we sponsor, and they've been coming to us just, you know, uh, letting us know, like, listen, don't build expectation with any, with any offering that you give. You know, if you start to build expectation, then you, you get held to a standard that you get held to a standard that will inevitably leave you to fail. And then people become almost dependent on it. And so it's like a fine line between dependency that you build when helping a community, but also, you know, let me say the fine line is how do I, how am I helpful without creating dependency that eventually stifles the, um, the growth of the community? Well, yeah, I think that is, I mean, I think that's a question that a lot of service organizations are struggling to answer every day because they don't have dependable funding, dependable access to the resources that they serve the community with, whether that's human capital, whether that's the ability to employ consistently the, the amount of manpower that it takes to address an issue, right? Whether that's yeah. actual money, whether that's a space, whether they don't have the money to continually consistently have a space, right? To continually keep people engaged because it does take incentives to keep people in the community engaged. I think a lot of community organizations are struggling with, I mean, like, what is their what is their capacity on a consistent basis right and and so i think what they are maybe being a little bit overbearing and 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 trying to like impart on you right is that um they are is that you know people need what you got so if you tell them you got yeah. it they'll show up and if you don't got it it looks bad on everybody's part that says they were involved yeah. so make it very clear you know that this might, you know, be able to shut down at any time. And I saw that actually when I was checking out the website, right? Like that you guys were very uh, stark in your wording that, you know, the, the contract, whatever might be terminated at, at any point. Um, and it's important yeah. to be real about that, but it's important that the people who are interfacing with the community on the, on the ground level are very human about that. Right. You know what I'm saying? That mm -hmm. you know, everybody is, respectful and, and and treats the space that you know what you're serving that food whatever that resource is with respect um both for the people that are receiving it and for the people that you know have the opportunity to be a part of doling it out to have for everybody to have an understanding that like this is relief but it is not you know for whatever reason and we can talk yeah. about what the reason that it's not consistent is but it's very important to yeah make sure everybody's aware of that um and be, you know, human about it. Cause people are looking for that. You know, you tell people you got a resource that they need. They are hoping that yeah. they can stop worrying about that for as long as possible. And when 
it can only be a week. You have to be clear that it can only be a week or a month or a year, you know? Yeah, you don't want to build false dependency. And why are you getting into that bag? Get into the bag of, you know, how you feeling, how your week been. Dep on in, brother. Talk to me about what type of energy you bringing into this podcast today. Nah, man, I'm 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 good, man. I'm I'm cooling. Um, you know, cool like I am. I forget what movie that's from, but like that's how I'm feeling today, bro. Like I'm chilling. It's uh it's been a week of it's been a week of feeling like there's not enough hours in the day, and so I've just Dude. been. And I, I've been combating that with just like, you know, trying to be as organized as possible, really like writing out lists of like, you know, all the things I have to do. And sometimes, you know, that's all it takes. Sometimes in your head, it feels like, man, I got to do so much. I got to move mountains today. And then you put it into a list. It was like, all right, well, that's like, you know, four things, you know, but they're going to be hard <laughs> things, you know, and, but, but even writing them out, you know, is a, is a way to start approaching it. So it being Sunday, you know, I've, I've managed to both get a lot done, check a lot of things off those lists and not go like too crazy and, you know, not sleeping or not. So I'm, I'm good, man. I'm in a good place. I'm in a good you place. You tapped in. You yeah. tapped in. On the, on the note of, um, on the note of writing things down, that's actually uh, a, a, a strategy, a psychology strategy on how to deal with anxiety and how to deal with stress. Um, it's also a strategy that people employ when it comes to insomnia it is just getting those thoughts out and on paper just allows you to be able to contextualize it and visualize it in a different way. The brain interprets it in a different way and, and can allow for one to, to, to mellow out. So that's a very strong, strong strategy you have going on over there, especially when things are getting busy like they are right now. Yeah, man, it's the, the list. The list definitely includes like trying to be, and some of that anxiety I think comes from the start of like, it's October and it seems like time has been moving ridiculously fast. So we already, yeah, yeah. we already moving into a space where it's like, all right, Christmas gifts gotta happen. Like, you know what I mean? True. Like, because the post service is messed up. People are voting. Hopefully, y'all voted out there. You know what I'm saying? I voted this past week. Hopefully, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> I love that we congratulate each other for for all these for reading, voting. But as we, sh but like, <laughs> that's real, bro. Like, yeah, you're like. You know what I mean? I think it's important to to exercise that right. Get in the habit of participating, right? Even if you might not feel in, like in your particular district that your vote is moving mountains for a presidential election, make sure you're voting locally. Make sure you're checking out what's going on and just get in the habit of participating and, you know, your your civic your civic right to, to make change and see what's going on in your society. So, um yeah, I forgot what the, that was. Not your first time. That was not your first time voting, was it? You voted before? Yeah, no, I voted for before. I voted for Barack. Okay, okay. A word is that what you voted for? <laughs> <laughs> With the black Chicago flag behind you. Um, how was how was the voting process um this time around? Talk to me about that. How did that go? What were your feelings going into it? You know, what was that experience like in this um, climate? It was cool. It was cool. Uh, so this is actually kind of interesting. For a while, um, I had uh, I had an address, my address in the burbs on my my voter registration. And so I always had yeah. to drive out there to vote. Trap house, you know what I'm saying? Got to keep the work and the money separate. Go ahead. Keep going. You got to keep a suburban address on your ID in case you get pulled over in Chicago and you got dreads and they don't and they got to make them think twice about who you might be. God damn it. But... <laughs> So, um, anyway, what was I saying? 
I had oh, so I used to drive out there. Oh, I used to have to drive out there to like vote and stuff like that because my address was still out there. Um, and I felt, you know, internally, I didn't really ever really do the math for like anything like that. But I always felt like voting, at least out there, felt more like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the white people around in that area was probably voting the other way against me always. So I, I felt like my yeah. vote mattered to cast it out there. Having to shift my address like back to out here finally for, you know, certain reasons, um, even though I've been living here for a minute. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Black shit. Yeah, if you don't know what's going on, it's black. <laughs> if you know, you know. You know, you know. Um, but it was interesting because this, I mean, voting period, part of like my job has been informing people and telling people like, you know, it's been a part of I got a mask that says vote. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it it was it was it was interesting just to me that it happened to be that going to the polls this time, which was at like an elementary school around the way, was just like you know what I mean? It was like, it didn't, I didn't have that same effect of like, I'm going to be this vote for, you know, Obama or for, you know, you know, this blue vote and maybe what is a tiny compared to Chicago being a suburb, but like red spot. Um, yeah. To be probably casting a similar ballot to the, the people that I saw around at the polls, but having encouraged maybe not the people around me, but some of the people of that community to go to the polls, it was still kind of, a rewarding experience. I didn't even think I didn't even think about it like that till you asked me. So thank you. I didn't think you was gonna yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, in the climate like this, right, where um the stakes feel very high in terms of the repercussions of of who wins and who doesn't win. And uh, you know, I think it's important, especially to speak on the black experience of voting. I know a lot of people have never voted before. I know a lot of people, this is something that is new to them. So uh you know, I, I I do think it's a conversation worth having. So thank you for for sharing on that. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, I think that actually brings us to a topic we tossed around. You know, mm -hmm. engagement, mm -hmm. being engaged, voting, and that. Like, how much is the right amount for each of us to participate in creating the world that we want to see, or at least engaging and correcting, uh, you know, things that we don't like to see in society. And, and, I, and I really do want this to be a very open conversation because I think that there's no right way. There's, there's never going to be enough that you can do to impact the society. I think that's just the reality of it. There's never going to be enough that you can do, you know? Oh, I mean, you think of oh. <laughs> how much you doing, <laughs> but no. If you're doing a lot already, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. If you can, do more. If you can, do more. Hold on. I'll give you a second. I just got to open up the door in time. So, so, so. Hopefully that's somebody that wants to do more right now. And if you would like to do more, subscribe to the All The Way Live podcast. You know what I'm saying? You know, follow us on uh, Instagram. We're going to start putting stuff up on Instagram, little clips. We're going to monetize the clips. Get the clips to y'all. It's going to be funny. It's going to be hilarious. It's going to be informative. We're going to try that. Um, other things, other areas in which we will improve. Um, lighting. We will light this bitch correctly. Everything correctly. It will be lit. Be back. Being a boyfriend. We will be better boyfriends, too. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about what we're going to improve on. Um, yeah, so... Just to 
as I was saying, right, I don't think there's ever, you'll never feel like there's, you've done enough. You'll never feel like you've done enough, mainly because that the problems of communities vary so widely in the reasons why there's those problems. You know, a problem is something as simple as a lack of education. In one particular area, you'll find that a lack of education is induced by lack of funding from the, you know, lack of funding for the schooling system. And on the other end, you'll find that there's just been um, outdated, outdated books that do not allow students to be able to participate in the modern economy and modern, um, in modern scholarly, in the modern scholarly environment, right? So that's the same problem, but they both have vastly different causes to them. And then you get to speak about the psychology of the people that are experiencing the problem. You have to realize you're speaking with people that have trauma. You have to realize that you're speaking with people that are coming from a place of hurt, uh, a place of, 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 of poverty, which has its own traumas on its, on its own too. So, you know, sometimes you think that feeding somebody, you know, bringing food to somebody is solving the problem of hunger. When in fact, the concept of what, is important in one's mind is 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 you know there's a fundamental disconnect to someone's relationship with food and how they go about it and and how they secure resources for themselves outside of food so that's you know you know that that to me is my understanding of why of of how much one can do but just as you're saying miles like doing more than nothing i think is always doing enough yeah and and Whatever you do, whatever your thing is, right, that you do that you might feel like has nothing to do with, you know, social justice or, you know, changing, changing the world, right? Change your intention in, in, in doing that. Like, I don't care if you're, a, you know, an analyst or an office worker, you know what I mean? Or if you're, you know, uh, somebody who, you know, is an entrepreneur or if you're a doctor or a nurse, you know what I mean? Educate yourself about the history of your field. And I inevitably, I will, I, I promise you, you will find something that you can correct something that you can, you know, um, contribute to in a way that makes the world better based on, you know, who you are based on what you're genuinely interested in and what your genuine interest interests are, you know, um, there are some very easy ones to go to, right? So if you're Black, the history of whatever field you're in inevitably involves barriers to Black people, go and break them mugs. If you're a female, same thing. There's Inevitably, you're going to run into barriers. Go ahead and break them mugs. You know what I mean? Depending on who you are, there you can you can identify ways in which that you can transform your world by being the best you that you can be. But a lot of times that also involve in involves acknowledging the role that you played in that history right and different and if you're if you're real quickly right if you're a man then in a lot of those stories you haven't been in some ways complicit in the oppression of females yeah. in whatever industry right so when you look back to that and that is an opportunity in itself to correct right to be a better right ally to be a better you know be more aware of the space that you occupy and how much space you can make for others, right? There's ways to do that in, in, in for all of us in, in our everyday lives. 100%. And I think that being vigilant, as you said, searching and finding, I think that's always step one of doing more than nothing is just 
looking for the re- looking for the causes, understand the causes, researching um, the organizations that are dedicated to that cause. Most more likely than not, if we talk about serious causes, you're gonna find a strong black woman who's leading that the the charge of whatever organization it is more likely than not that is just a fact of the statistics of who makes who moves the needle when it comes to issues especially black issues and the reason why i actually brought this up to you miles is because you know after our pod went up on nigeria you know the thousands of people that watched that contacted us they're talking in the comments and what they were saying is um a lot of people feel very helpless a lot of people feel very helpless, especially your expats who are not in Nigeria at the moment. They are at home. They are, you know, expats. So they're outside their country, their own country. They're seeing these atrocities that are happening. The the Leki massacre that happened last week, uh, I mean, earlier this week, That that's a reality for people. So being at a distance from it, you feel like you're not doing enough and so I know that that's something that me and you struggled when Black Lives Matter happened. I think we're fortunate in the sense that a lot of our work is dedicated to serving the communities and helping organize, especially yourself, organizing for those communities, places where they can either march, protest, um, speak, vent, whatever the case is, you help organize those spaces, right? So as somebody that is an authority when it comes to how what the solutions are in times of what the solutions are in times of of a crisis what to you what would you then stipulate to be a fair amount of contribution to 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 the struggle i would say i would say your fair amount of contribution depends on very much on who you are who you are uh so like speaking again to your america right like what is your what has been your experience in this country are you a black person are you a black american are you a black immigrant are you you know uh latinx are you you know a european descendant uh how like what has been what has been you and your family's history in this country and where has that allowed you where has that placed you right because that is what determines where you are, what opportunities you have, right? What schools you went to, um, you know, what uh, secondary educational opportunities that you had after that, what job opportunities to connect, who you, who your family knows and the network of people that they were able to enlist to help you get jobs, get internships and stuff like that. So based on all of that, what oper- what, what room to breathe do you have um, past survival to turn back and help someone else, I think kind of determines, I think is that the baseline of like what determines how much effort each person should give, like, you know, back to their community. I think it's, I think when people turn to look back to see how much they can help, it seems like they can't do a lot because they don't know how to do that. Right. There's, there's, there's this, there's, there's so many problems and it seems like I, if when I turn, I, I, I can't do anything because it takes so much to do, anything that matters and i don't think that's the case i think people are so in tune with the whole world because they have the internet and their phone and you know social media and they know what their friends are doing miles you know countries continents away right but yeah so and maybe you can't affect the world immediately in a way that you see ripples in all of those spheres but 
if you put your phone down and look out your window, right? Look at where you live. What do the people around you live like? Do they live good? Okay, cool. That means you probably have financial resources. That means you probably have, mm-hmm. you know, just a, a, a wealth of things that you can help people. So that's, if, if they don't live good, then, well, you have to make sure, okay, are you taking care of yourself? Are you, how do you live? Are you all right? And if you are, what makes you all right? And what may, and what is a part of the village or the system um, that makes you all right? And how can you bring other people into that, you know? Um, but look locally first. Yeah. So you're not so overwhelmed that it feels like you can't do nothing. Cause that's a, that's a real feeling too, is that overwhelming feeling of, of, of not doing enough. Right. And I think that's, a, it's a very important to accept your insignificance in the grand scheme of the issues of the world. Humble yourself to the fact that you will never be doing enough, no matter how much you're doing and try to do the little amount that you can. Our, our, the saying that we have in our organization is we're just really trying to change the life of one person, you know, cause like that's, that's really what you hope for. You, you hope to impact the person that can impact the next person. That's, that's the ideal, that's the ideal outcome of these things, you know, going into it, expecting to change every single person. That's just, that's almost nonsensical. And so for my brothers and for my brothers and sisters, that are fighting the good fight in Nigeria that are protesting out there or protesting anywhere. Uh, people that are not protesting, people that are just at home looking and trying to find ways to add towards their communities and whatnot. Like Miles said, there's a whole lot of research that you can do that starts to just like the empirical that you can see and start, start with what you can see and can help contribute to. And I think that scientifically, there's a lot of value in in, in endorphins that you get back when you help when you help people there's there's a there's a literal high in that and we speak about that sometimes you know when you come back from a day of of helping a bunch of kids and you you're just like man i just feel really really good yeah big facts that's a that's a real thing that's a real thing um and so to the people at home right that are that feel far away from whatever crises they they would like to have an impact on continue to educate yourselves as well, continue to share information, right? Continue to, um, you know, like that some, you don't, you have no idea how much you can, you can affect change it just by continuing to, you know, share and apply pressure uh, in terms of what we're trying to make happen. You know what I mean? We as a generation have seen so many flare up social justice initiatives die the ones that you care about, keep them alive by continuing to post about them, continuing to educate yourself about them, continuing to have conversations with the people you care about, tough conversations with the people you care about that might not care about the things that you care about, right? Continue to apply that pressure. Um, and that is that can be uncomfortable, right? I'm glad you spoke so well to the things that the endorphins that you do get back in a positive manner, right? From, uh, from giving back and, and engaging with your community. Um, and, but I, I also want to be very real about the fact that there are people that are uncomfortable with that. There are people that are very comfortable with the status quo and don't want to see people move that needle. Um, and so no. apply the pressure, apply the pressure and you'll know you're doing something right when you feel good, but it's uncomfortable. Yes. And that is, that is the essence of growth, bro. That is the essence of growth is when the intrinsical value of what you get back from what you're doing is high and matched with 
how challenging and uncomfortable the situation you're in. You know, I think speaking directly to us in this podcast, that was something that we were at a place where we're like, listen, it feels good to do this, but also it challenges us and confronts us in ways that, um, in ways that are outside of our comfort zone, having to put our art forward, having to curate and be camera facing, you know, despite what the news channels might say, uh, for the most part, men, you know, we live a very quiet, reserved and private life. <laughs> you know? Yo, yo, I see you. This nigga put the jersey on and came to play today. Came to Come play on, today. baby. Came to play Come today. On, ba- it's hey. the playoffs, man. <laughs> I appreciate you, dog. I appreciate you, dog. And I appreciate having somebody that, you know, I, that that can help me figure out you know, and we appreciate y'all out there, man. We appreciate y'all too for being a part of this conversation. Um, and like in a space to help figure out like what does it mean to try and help? Um, and what is and and how do you continue to like work on yourself, work on the world around you, uh, and continue to have the energy for all of those things when a lot of times, like we said at the beginning of this, the current uh, to change uh, any of that is it feels like you're always swimming upstream um so thank you for slamming always point like a boss that's real bro you know what scares me about what i'm noticing in today's day and age when it comes to how people rally for social issues the flare up the flare up aspect of it leads me to be fearful of the of the sh- of the of the very narrow impact that this flaring up of social issues can actually have on on issues right in the sense that we have a lot of issues you know in South Africa it's gender based violence and Nigeria SARS and the US is black lives matter and we rally we get together we spark up a million people marching in LA and then very quickly it dissipates. And once it dissipates, it no longer is a conversation on the solution on the overall issue. It then boils down into the effectiveness that the committed and the resourceful can have. And a lot of the times that is something that is rather incremental in terms of the whole issue. Now, I don't believe in I don't believe in being able to completely solve. Um, a lot of the issues that we that I had mentioned in the place, especially in the places that I mentioned them, because a lot of them do have underlying psychological um, predispositions in it that are that that are ingrained in either the people that are victims or the people that are being perpetrated. There's a psychological aspect to it, so I don't think you can turn off um, racism in the U.S. or turn off violence in South Africa or turn off bad policing and corruption in, in Nigeria. You know those. Those things are too great in psyche. That being said, that's what worries me about today's flare-up culture of how people approach social issues, mate. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so I think, yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge that there is that's a great, that's a great point. That's a great point, G. Mm. Um, so I think it's important to acknowledge that there is no light switch, you know, solution to any of these issues. Um yeah. I think what you what you've struck upon is is what I've something I've started to recognize as well, and I feel like is a cycle. But that doesn't necessarily have to be 
like a bad thing. It's what we got, right? So we work with what we got. So what happens is something terrible happens as it do, right? As a result yeah. of the systems that are in place. And people see that and want to change it and rally around it. And those are opportunities for the people you spoke about, right? The truly dedicated, the people that do the work on a daily basis have been doing that work for years. I'm not talking about me or us. I'm talking about niggas with beards. I'm talking about niggas that have been in this game with the grays. You know what I mean? There's there's people that have been studying and doing this work for a long time that have laid the foundation for a lot of what we're trying to do, right? A lot of what we're building, right? Um, The people who are in the books that, you know what I mean? The people that- Yeah, yeah, the old white man that wrote the book on black problems. <laughs> but but the people that are in those books, you know what I mean? Like the, yeah, people, and the, yeah. and the people, not the white people, but the people of color, the people, the oppressed people that have been working to make change, then you can find that foundation in any, in, in any struggle, right? People that have been struggling against that. And so I think it's important for us to like understand that to look to those people, right? Because those people do have a plan and y'all been ignoring them until something terrible happened. And then they get a brief spotlight. And now now, now nobody, nobody's been following any of these people when, until something happened. So now everybody's slowly figuring out, oh, Dr. Umar Johnson, oh, uh, Cornell West, oh, Michael Eric Dyson, oh, Eve Ewing, oh, you know what I mean? Everybody's gravitating to whatever yeah. intellectuals they're being fed by their feed, right? Yeah. And then... Those people have a chance to speak, and then people gravitate toward them. They the, their their messages proliferate for a while, and then it dies back down, right, until the next crisis. But in there, yeah, some of those people that heard those messages are galvanized to follow, right, to galvanize to continue to research, to galvanize to find more than the first person they found, but the other people, and to compare and contrast ideas and continue to do the research between these traumatic, you know, terrible events that happen as they do. Right. And so each time the pool of people that have been doing it for a couple years now grows, grows bigger. Right. And so I think it's important for all of us to determine, well, for for each of the issues that truly matters to us, how long until we join the group of people that has been contributing to following this for a couple of years that that already, you know, that that knows who the people are, who has been doing the work, because once you do that, right, you start to have, you start to run into the plan, right? So Mm. for example, like, and I'm not, I'm not an expert on anything. And and that's something I want to get into too, is like how Africa is not talked about in the same, with the same regularity and cadence that, you know, issues in the rest of the world are talked about. But what I have run into it since looking up the SARS situation in Nigeria, right, is um, that there is a, they've, they've shifted from the end SARS hashtag to, I think it's the 505, and it's five explicit demands, right, mm-hmm. that they have for, oh, look, he had this pulled up. It's going to seem like we had this conversation more planned than we did, but. So we have pre-production. Thank you very much. Pre-pro. <laughs> So, so the five demands, the, it's five for five, not five or five. Hashtag five for five, right? The first demand is the immediate release of all arrested protesters. The second demand is justice for all deceased victims of police brutality and appropriate compensation for their families. The third demand is setting up 
an independent body to oversee the investigation and prosecution of all reports of police misconduct within 10 days. I like that. Yeah. The fourth demand is in line with the new police act, psychological evaluation and retraining to be conducted or to be confirmed by an independent body of all disbanded SARS officers before they can be redeployed. Uh, and then number five is to increase the police salary so that they can adequately be compensated for protecting lives and the property of citizens, you know, in lieu of that last one is that last one is, is impressive. It's important, right? So the whole point that I was trying to make is that there are people, there's a foundation committed to whatever cause that you care about, right? And, and, and so start to follow those people and, and consistently and not so that you know who to turn to for information when something happens, but some that but continue to follow that all the like, you know what I mean? Incorporate mm. news of, of learning about that issue into your daily life so that you have an understanding and don't just follow one source, find other sources to inform yourself, find the ones and, and make sure you're going at it critically because you unless you're finding some that you know to throw out you're doing it wrong because not everybody is, is real about all the causes, but educate, 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 and meditate. You know what I mean? For sure. And, you and know, pre-pro. And that pre-pro <laughs> for this smooth effect. Um, you know, something interesting that you touched on, bro, is why African news tends to fail in comparison, right? And I think speaking from my humble observation, what I've realized is I think there's a capitalistic element to it, right? I think generally the, 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 the news and media tend to follow that where capital, that where there's, there's, there's space for, there's just capital interest, capital interest period, right? I think the news follows that. I think that's why when things are shaking in, for instance, when things were shaking in Venezuela, for sure with social unrest and it's terrible, but also the U.S. is one of the largest investors in the oil reserves that are in Venezuela and the refineries that are used over there. And then, then it becomes an issue of capital interests. Um, we've seen the same thing when it comes to, um, on the same week that uh, the Charlie Hebdo shootings happened, um, I want to say the Charlie Hebdo shootings or the Paris shootings, one of the two, a uh, hundred people were shot and killed in a Kenyan university. Same week that happened, and it was it was paid for Paris. It was it was the Paris shootings. Same week that happened, and, and all interest went into the Paris side of things. Right now, that's the capital. That's the capitalism aspect to it. Now there's a deeper there's a deeper conspiracy when we're talking about the historical tendency of destroying African news and destroying African literature and African history. That's something that has been, uh, that is something that has been reoccurrent and a constant within African history. We know about the libraries in Timbuktu. We know about the libraries in Sudan. We know about the astrology that is the astrology that was used in the, 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 the pyramids and things of that nature. These, you know, there's, there's famed scholars from those areas, but then they're, their libraries, history, their recordings, all those things have been tarnished. Now, that is the deeper conspiracy of it, but I think when we're speaking of why 
just simply why African news doesn't tend to be to be cared about m- mostly. It would seem to me to be a capitalism thing, man. Not to be that guy. Yeah, and uh, I want to be that guy. So I, <laughs> so I think it's, it's a difficult one for sure. Yeah, it, it is really tough because I think. I think you're exactly right, but I also think there's something to be said for like why can't why can't we so like all right, let me take it this direction. There are issues that might not be necessarily as capitalistic, right? So if we think about the African continent, we have multiple countries, right? Namibia, South Africa, where gender-based violence is uh, a huge issue, right? I mean, Rampant. Right. And so do you think I just I just this is what I was trying to tease out in my head, but I, I'll, I'll have you speak to what do you think is the the reason for the dampening of maybe that information about that? Do you think it has the same capitalistic base? Surely, surely. Um, Namibia, there's only 800,000 people that uh, sorry, there's only 2 million people in Namibia. That's not a lot of people. That's smaller than the city of Austin, you know? Um, and with South Africa, also, bro, let's never ignore the fact that black lives don't really matter to a lot of people. I think that's just a reality of, of black lives, dude, (laughs) things, black lives don't, don't necessarily matter. I mean, you look at the response that Ebola had when they touched on in Africa and the response that I had when one dude came back with it in Texas, that'll tell you everything you need to know about the experience that it takes for people to approach issues i think it's, it's a very fascinating thing to I'd, I'd be very interested to read up on some of the information on media and how that was and, and historically how that's how that's reported on african issues yeah and i think what you said just kind of illuminated for me like that it seems like typically over time that not only do are black people discarded by the media but it often, or like the issues that pertain to black people discarded by the media and, and shaped and framed a certain way. But also it, that has to be done because a lot of times it does point back to large, it, it, if we look too deeply into the root causes of things, they point right back at ourselves. So in the case yeah. of gender-based violence, right? How, how, how much can Fox News or, or you know, CNN or any of these companies really thoroughly investigate that? Well, they have... You know, literally that same issue happening, not only in our country, but in those companies and those institutions. Right. How how can how can, you know, how can we report on specific issues in countries where, you know, people are being exploited for capitalistic reasons and we might have interests in those reasons. Right. So I think it points back at it, it. It points back at us just as much as you know, to, to the point is people want to make, make the money. Right. Thanks, bro. And this is an interesting, this is an interesting concept too, that I've been toying with when thinking about this topic is that I think there's a romanticism of issues in Africa that, that Western countries have. 
And the romantic aspect of it is that if I donate a dollar every day, then I'm solving the problem. So that's why issues like hunger are such popular issues, right? Uh, feed an African kid for a dollar a day. Now, when we talk about the fact that gender-based violence and rape and all these things are happening, you can't feed a dollar a day to solve that issue. That, that, that doesn't slap the same with Sarah McLaughlin talking about it over sad music. It doesn't, it doesn't slap the same. You know, that issue is a lot more, that issue is a lot more deeper. And it forces us to have a, a longer conversation about the, the the impact and legacy of trauma when it comes to oppression. <laughs> because those cycles of those cycles of of violence are very prevalent in communities that have experienced trauma. That's just statistics. You know, the cycle of who is to be in abusive relationships stems from who has been in an abusive household. That's a fact. And where that stems from stems from, and you know, if you trace that line back down is which people were exposed to violence, you know, which people were exposed to very uh, grotesque and, 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 and violence on a daily basis. And then those people develop me mechanisms and ways of coping um, that are then normalized and ingrained into systems that then sprout as these toxic, violent uh, fruits, man. I think that's where we are. So what does it say about our society that we're at a place that we're at a place where the issues that are most dire are too complicated for us to to talk about on the news? We're lazy consumers, bro. And that's what I was that's and that's what I spoke to you about when it came to like the flare up Thing, right because it's easy when we're all doing something simple as marching it's, it, which is very important that's very important we're not taking that away it's easy when we're all blacking out our instagram our instagram that's very important and we all did it and no one gets discredited if that's all that they did however the true impact then comes from the foot soldiers who are then willing to um continue the, the fight continue the struggle and then the convenience of the convenience of mob mentality dissipates and then you're left with actually having to do work and that's where you lose a lot of people. Mm. Mm. I think that's the romanticism of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, so yeah, how long until, you know, you decide that you're going to be one of those people that is invested, right, between news cycles, right? Mm. And the and the and if you stay invested long enough, you'll realize that involves a lot of work. It just be it's work. A lot of work. You've uncovered work <laughs> <laughs> for sure for you to do and for you to encourage others to do. Right, and that's a difficult. <laughs> no, nothing but work. Nothing <laughs> but work. And that's a difficult place to be because I I've seen people who've who've, who've hit that realization, right, and they start to do the work. Right. And then what the work requires of you is to encourage others to do the work as well. And then you run into yeah. which of your friends bristle at being told to do the work about things that you yeah. care about, asked to do the work. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, how many that 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 creates an uncomfortable that that creates an uncomfortable space, man. And you're asking 100%. a lot. You're asking a lot to turn that corner, if you will. To turn that corner of you know, I care <laughs> when we all care. You know when you're the when you're the response, right? To turn that corner from being the 
we care we care black lives yeah. matter black lives matter to you being the this voice shouting yeah it's a lot lonelier you might hear your voice warble a little bit you know oh yeah 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 those <laughs> echoes fall on many a deaf ears let me tell you that right and, now and 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 yeah right when <laughs> to see who many people how many people shout back <laughs> you know what i mean to put yourself in that vulnerable position that's a difficult corner to ask people to turn too difficult almost too difficult almost you know but the good thing though is that as i as i said on the last podcast man i'm so proud of where our society and and our generation is taking things the fact that we're utilizing the sharing of information so effectively to voice our opinions our concerns and to motivate for causes that are that are strong is something that i'm very proud of man and so you know, we 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 stand i think as as two very privileged black men in today's day and age that we have a platform to speak our thoughts speak our minds and i'm i'm still even more glad now that we always have found a way to utilize this to promote the efforts of those that are doing things that you know are are that are doing the real work that are that are doing things that are difficult you know that are doing things when there's no spotlights on them there's no there's no there's no glamour in this in this altruism thing man there's no because there's very little glamour in this thing man it's 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 helping people and listening to people that's really all it comes down to ain't no getting money on this conscious shit never that never that not yet not yet not yet there is there is a way though there is a way there's a way but i think there, there is a way but i think even more importantly than even important more important than the bag i think something that we can do a better job of right is like um and i know I've, i know you know i'm, I'm speaking to the team i'm talking to you <laughs> and by me. the team i mean you by the team i mean <laughs> and me so it's just more again we've uncovered work but i think yeah we, i think we can be better about um putting links to the things that we're talking about the important ones right not necessarily the national geographic count of sharks but like you know the important yeah the links to the important issues and documenting, you know, I, I, um, you mentioned an organization that, uh, was it Noni has building blocks, something like that. A oh, building blocks. It's a nosy, a friend of mine knows Yeah. Building blocks. Yeah. So I'm saying we, we, I want to be better about linking stuff like that. You know what I mean? I agree. I um, agree. Yeah. And just, and it, yeah, if that's all this podcast has to offer, I'm so happy and comfortable with that. Hey bro. Hey, bro. It's a place to start, isn't it? It's a place to start. It is a place to start. And also, you know, the opposite of start is finished. And if we're talking about things that are finished, we are commemorating the career of Khabib, Khabib Nurmagomedov after a spectacular victory against Justin Gaethje has announced his... Siri, get out of here. Has announced his uh, retirement. Yeah. How do you feel? I feel like I feel like Siri. I'm a Khabib fan as well. Um, I think I I I what a fight! Can we talk about the fight? Can we talk about the fight? Yeah, dude. The was it a fight? It was. It was. Come here. (laughs) It wasn't come here. Khabib took some serious shots from Gaethje, like to the head. Yeah, uh, yeah, he did. I mean, 
but we know he has a chin. He fought Portier. I mean, he took those shots. He took a couple shots there too. You know, he's he's not, and he got he got a chin. And he got a whole head. That whole head. He a tough. <laughs> he got dude. a big head. He got a big head, dude. He got he could take he could take shots. You know, toughness was never something I doubted from Khabib. Um, so to see him make it a huge problem every time he got a hold, you know what I mean? It was, it was a problem. It was a problem. There was no there's no question in terms of grappling. You don't want to see that man. You don't want to see that man. So I think when he holds you, it's game over. The second he grabs Justin Gaethje, bro, it was you knew where it was going. The fact that he got him with the triangle, mm-hmm. with the triangle bar, dude, with the leg out that first round. Geeked out. But I think it's a, I think he's a power. I think that's, but that's who he is. That's who he's always been, bro. You know what I mean? From the time we were introduced to him, 29 and 0, he has been, he's been, you don't want to see him. He will end you. I'm very you sad. See him. I'm very sad we, we have not seen Ferguson, Khabib. I'm, I'm sad that hasn't happened up to this point. Khabib would have ate him up. I hope that Khabib will come out of retirement. Um, if if the Ferguson matchup becomes a thing, because I think that's who's it's it's Ferguson's division to take. If if nah, Justin Gaethje's taking that division, bro. Gaethje and Poirier are about to fight top spot for that division. Justin Gaethje, the way he beat, um, the way he beat Tony Ferguson, it was it was it was demolishing. He whooped him by a distance, broke his game plan down. Down to the decimals. I think Poirier has the ability to do that too. I don't know if Poirier, I think I don't know if I think Poirier has the ability to do that. That's a fight, I think, bro. I think Gaethje. I think Gaethje is. It's less interesting to me because I think Gaethje and Poirier are more similar, and I think Gaethje just has the sliders up in more categories. Yeah, yeah. I think Gaethje takes top dog status, but I think what's interesting about the Khabib thing is quitting at his prime, ending his career literally right at the top. And it begs the question of what does it even mean to be in one's prime? Yeah. You know, what does it mean to be at, at one's at one's pinnacle? I see with the UFC, you can measure that in terms of how many wins he's on, the, the level of opponents that he's fighting. What does it mean to be in a in in one's prime in just like daily life? Yeah, I I I hope it means I I hope I don't I hope it means that you are I hope it's not a point. You know what I mean? I hope it's not a mm. I hope it's not something you reach and then decline from, right? I hope it's a a period. It has to be. A period. It has to be. You know, if 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 nothing else, right? So um I think you're to be in your prime means to be operating at your highest capacity. But I think I think that can mean different things at different points of your life. So I think if you can if you can reach that, if you can find a way to like vibrate at your highest level, right? Like if you can find a way to be being your best self in all things, then you can sustain that for a long time. And I don't think that, I, I wonder what that means for, you know, what, is there a select period in that that's your prime to be judged by others? Or is that whole period your prime as long as you doing you the best way that you could do you? 
And that, you're right. You're very, very right. What's interesting is that there's different types of primes that you can get, right? You have your physical prime that um, men hit between the ages of 28 and 31. That's your physical prime. That's when your body is, is capable of doing the most amount of things. You have your professional prime, which um, people say is at 50 years old for men and women both. Um, emotional prime is around the same time too. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's different le levers to, to, to being at, at, at one's prime. What's, what is most important for you to be at your prime at? Um, I think it's interesting, right? Cause when you, when you look at life, right? Like what's most important for me to be at my prime at? Like, I would say that I want to be like the best, the best brother that I can be, you know what I mean? The best son, the best grandson, like the best, you know, like to the people that I care about, I want to be the best part of that support system that I can be, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think as a black man, that definitely means having to like step up and take on a mental responsibility as a role model because the community needs it, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so the community being even my even my family, like my my little cousins, you know, need to be able to look up and see that like you can be something, my somebody I know, somebody that I'm related to, somebody that be at my family reunions that I can touch and hug and see is quote unquote successful or at least feeding himself yeah you know what i mean and taking care of his he's definitely feeding himself <laughs> definitely feeding himself. he's getting fat he didn't care of his responsibilities he pays <laughs> pay his bills there's a way for me to make it in life because he i think good fat but i think that's real bro i think for a lot of a lot of black little boys and girls bro like there's not i know for i know for me like i had my dad um, but my dad always looked tired as hell to me. You know what I mean? Because he was. Because he was. Because <laughs> he was. Because he was. was. You know what I mean? And so it was It was important. And I would cling to different, you know, like conceptualizations of what a successful black man looked like. Right? I didn't have the same appreciation. Like Lil Romeo? Hey, nigga. He was successful at my age. How the fuck was I supposed to not, you know what I mean? How was I supposed to not, you know, try to be like, try to be him, you know what I mean? Like Rovio. You know what I mean? Or a version of that, you know, uh, Snoop on the wire, right? You know, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a, I feel like I was wanted that role model. And so I try to be that, trying to be the person, right? That you needed as a child, right? Mm. Is a part of, so mm. it's important for me to be, my prime in my prime and being that for my family being the person that my family needs now that i'm not a child yeah what's it important for you to be in your your prime of presence state of a present state of mind mm, mental present important of, mental yeah, yeah. they're trying to rob you they're trying to rob of us, us of that boy Bro, with the ski mask on and a hand grenade, bro. This is it's 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 rough out here. But I think presence of mind is, is mostly it, bro. I'm realizing that a lot of a lot of things can be conquered by by being present. Um and, and being attentive to the now and being conscious of the now. It sounds it sounds very, you know, 
very dusty, but it, I think it's a it's a reality and something that I take very very seriously. I think impulses are also mitigated by presence and presence state of mind. I think bad decisions are mitigated by the same thing. So presence and a state of mind is something that I put high on that list of um, yeah, this is things I put very high on that list of things that I'd like to be on my prime for. Sounds like clarity, right? It sounds like it's very important for you to be able to to have clarity in, you know, your daily life. And then you find that through, right, meditating or, you know, how do you how do you find that? How do you reach that? What does that mental prime look like? You know, are you in it? Um, my personal mental prime, I'd say, sure. Um, but also there's so much to learn, right? So like I'm at my prime in the sense that I am further than I was yesterday. I'm further than I was last year, but that doesn't mean that I'm at the pinnacle, right? It just means I'm at a higher plateau than I, I'm at a higher level than I was before. How to find that dude. I, I, I heard someone say that meditating is like brushing your teeth. You know, it's not fun to do, but it's the most important, like it's a very important habit to get into. And I've taken it that way. So meditating in the morning, 10, 15 minutes before I get to, before I start anything, first thing I do when I wake up is um, get to the meditating and clear my mind before I assume on the energies of other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I can, if I can, if I can take something that's very positive to like a, to like a, a darker gray area for a second, what happens? Let's when go. You, what happens when you don't do that? What are you, what does clearing that space fend off? for you you know what i mean demons um like i was <laughs> a lot of people's demons are just neurological impulses right it's uh, a mind a mind run amok now obviously people there's, there's there's a reality of of mental issues of mental health issues and things of that nature and that's not necessarily what we're speaking about what we're speaking about is the inability for one to pace to, to slow their mind down, right? And so what you end up seeing is a lot of people with insomnia, uh, lack of sleep is a common um, is a common result of, of a restless mind, um, just uh, uh, giving into impulses, uh, things such as uh, things such as binging and what's the what's the other name that they call for the technical term? It's a uh, binging and oh purging, uh, purging a yeah, yeah, binging and purging. Um, that's a reality. That scientifically is more likely to happen in your brain when it's more stressed and the brain has had less time to be able to process information. The same area of the brain that handles stress is the same area of the brain that is triggered when one has to make food decisions at that time. Your brain is telling you that, hey, you're low energy, you're stressful, you're thinking too much. What can pick me up? Sugar, food. Let's get sugars and food. And then people are more likely to have to, to lean more towards fatty foods and sugary foods when in that mind state. So that's a direct correlation of that, of that, you know? So when we talk about what you lose out on when you're not set in that, in that state, in that, in that uh, presence of mind is you, you become your emotions, man. You become your emotions and your impulses. I think. Mm, You don't want to become your emotions. That's not who you are. You're not your emotions. <laughs> you're merely an observer of your emotions, but you're not your emotions. Mm. So what? You're do you, not your emotions. So what do you act on? 
Better yet, you're not your thoughts. Let me put it that way. We we have control of our emotions, but we're not our thoughts. Our thoughts are we are observers of our thoughts. We're not we are not our thoughts. So what do we act yeah. on? Thoughts, impulse, but what all do, of it. it. What do we? What that's what we. Sh- so we should act on impulse. What should yo? We- I was reading this cold book that was busy talking about uh, this cold book called The Leading Brain, and it was talking about how like all these thoughts, impulses, and emotions all happen within. It's, it's like the past, present, and future. There's a paradox of a sphere that all of these things are happening at the same time. It's not necessarily a domino effect of of how those things come about, but they all exist at the same time. Your thoughts, um, uh, I think Mike Tyson said, your thoughts are governed by your emotions and your emotions are governed by your thoughts. And I, th- I just found that interesting because it, like it is like a loop of, of, of how we come to our decisions. Yeah. yeah. Is that something that's prevalent in your life? Um, meditation and things like that? I meditate in my own way. I meditate in my own way. Uh, <laughs> Miles being off with his eyes closed. This <laughs> Edit. <laughs> Yo. Actually. <laughs> actually. Now that you bring it up. As an update. Yo. You brought You took it there. As an alternative to porn, I do try and, and like, you know what I'm saying? When I'm like, all right, I'm going to beat off. Sometimes there is like a decision in my head, like, well, do I want to watch porn or I want to every, every dude, I think. And most people probably you got a you got a mental uh, mental spank bank. You got, you know, some historical stuff that done happened to you that sometimes you just like to sit and think about. Remember when Shorty had uh, sometimes you do, porn do cocktail that. in the fridge, refrigerated porn cocktails. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you see. But mental porn cocktails for some sometimes for me that feels that feels like a good not to always just be like you know watching porn and stuff like that. Um, but you took it there. That's not what I was gonna say. I was gonna say you know sometimes music is meditative for me. You know what I mean? Um, also gone that. Yeah, like there's it's, and I, I mean I understand that not everybody has this connection, you know, to necessarily the music. Um, but for me, like I can there's a there's a connection for me when I find a song that really you know the beat the lyrics everything like really uh kind of just it all aligns to express an emotion that I felt it's almost like I get a release from like playing that song real loud you know what I mean and I'm sure other people experience that to varying degrees but for me like I said I dedicate time to be like to just kind of listen to my thoughts, my emotions, and, like, mm. seek out the music that matches it and just, like, go through it and just, like, you know, let the music flow, let my thoughts flow, like, let that flow to, like, what I want to hear next and kind of, like, think about those things. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, why am I feeling like this? What, what, who, who am I thinking of when I'm listening to this song that makes me feel good? You know what I mean? What am I thinking of when, when I'm listening to this song that makes me feel bad? You know what I mean? Um, and so that's a meditative process for me that like just going through records um, is is a is like a therapeutic process for me. Showers are another one, right? Like, yeah, every, ever since like a kid, I take like long showers, bro. Like and I'll just like kind of that's a big part of like my day and my mental preparation for anything is just to like mm-hmm. sit in the shower, like, you know, you know, and just kind of like 
think, you know what I mean? Sometimes music, sometimes not, but that's a big space where I need to have just like, let my thoughts just, you know, work themselves out. And for me to, as you said, observe my thoughts and what am I thinking about today? What's on my mind? That's important as I continue to observe my actions, right? And and decide what I'm going to do, engage in and not engage in. So I try to dedicate time to like actually sitting and meditating. I do this thing where I count eight count inhale, eight count exhale, you know, and I try and, uh, and I do that. Um, but it's, does, it's not a, some days it's that, some days it's the music thing. Some days the shower is enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you got options. Yeah. You got options. And I think it's just, uh, at least from what I've been reading, right? That's what Deepak Chopra talks about, which is, um, practicing the muscle of the presence of mind. And I think it's as simple as that really, there's just a muscle behind being able to be more present and people just got to exercise those things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Also than not, that's an interesting tangent to go on after talking about being in one's prime. That's a, a very interesting um, detour we took and how we got there. Yeah. Well, I think it speaks to what we care about, right? I mean, I think it's, it's to, it, you care about your mental state. I think that's something that, you know, we have to actively try and preserve you know, in these times with all the, you know, there's, it's very easy to, to mentally overdose on, on content, right? Whether that be news in real life, whether that be, you know, noise and, you know, drowning out your own thoughts, whether that be, you know, just, you know, nonsense and, or, or narrow-mindedness, or, you know, it's easy to just follow your feed all the way to madness. Um, and I think, I think we have to be very conscious considering how tethered we are to technology to take that break and let our brain, you know, reset, let it regulate, you know? I hate to be Mr. We're addicted to our phones, but that's just the reality of the science behind it. I'm not going to break it down behind this podcast. If you haven't watched uh, The Social Dilemma, give that a look, give that a spin. That is extremely, extremely informative stuff and talks about... Um, you know, it talks about the fact that we we're, we're, we're predestined to be addicted to these devices. Um, interesting, an interesting uh, parallel that they draw is that the same way they describe drug users is the same way that they describe internet users. Um, it's not. It's it's the, the you know users users. We are users when it comes to this when it comes to this type of stuff. But that being said. Um, yeah, give that a look. Uh, Social Dilemma, if you haven't. It's on Netflix. Solid, solid, solid. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's super, it's super solid. Do we have anything on the on the list? Are you trying to take us anywhere? Uh, I think we're, I think we're covered everything on the list. I mean, I got shit we could talk about for days. The Kanye interview. Did you see that? I just started the Kanye interview right now. I had somebody that I know watch it, but you know, they, they gave me a mixed review. What have you given it a watch yet? Yeah, I'm like an hour and a half into it. I'm like an hour and a half into it. Thoughts? My Talk take on, on it. my my take on Kanye for the last year or so has been we should stop just stop let listening to Kanye, stop devoting the same attention to him because I think he needs to be alone with his thoughts for a while. You know what I mean? I, I think we need to stop being at the beck and call of Kanye's promotional opportunities because it allows him to not think through what he's saying, what he's going to do, what he's going to say. And it ends up being messy. It ends up being, you know, running contrary to the, 
the best interest of communities that I don't think he's trying to, I don't, I don't think he's intentionally trying to hurt, but the effect of his actions, it could, can potentially hurt those communities. Um, mm. With this interview, I'm torn because he sounds healthier than I've heard him sound in a, in a longer time, but I don't, in a, in a long time, but I don't think he, I don't think he understand to him as a, just announced him being a billionaire and a self-proclaimed genius. I think to him, the world is, um, and I think, and and it's it's funny and I'm so conflicted because I kind of see it this way myself is that like the world is like, you can mold it to be whatever you want to be. Right. Like you can, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can, you can really take a hold of this, of your opportunities and make them work for you in such a way that like, you know, you can be great at whatever you want to be great at. That doesn't always, that's not always going to equal to monetary success. Not all of us have the same access to those opportunities. But what I think is the problem with Kanye is that in trying to play Legos with corporations and, and, you know, communities and movements, he don't, he, he don't care. And God and church. He don't care about the people that kind of get swept and and lost in the sauce. You know what I mean? Mm. He's to him. I I went the wrong way for a little bit. Is you know you know I oh I swerved the wrong way, but it was a part of my journey to get back here. But I'm not sure he's conscious of how many people are you know spouting his rhetoric, retweeting it, using mm. it for other means, like and all the people that are getting hurt while he tries to construct this utopia that he feels is going to be good for everybody. So yeah. I'm happy the brother sounds healthy, but I, I, I think, you know, he sounds coherent, you know, he sounds peaceful. He doesn't sound like he's trying to hurt anybody. He sounds like he has, if you listen to him, he sounds like he has the purest of intentions for in everything that he's trying to do. But I would say that he's still in a place. I don't think he's in a place yet where he, where he understands the gravity of the moves that he's trying to make and how quickly things he says and does um, can be used by people that are playing chess at a higher level to hurt the communities that he cares about. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. I'm a, I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it a spin. Do you, would you say this boosts or decreases his credibility for his campaign run? Obviously we know he's not going to win this year, but in, in, in future, in the future run, do you think this bolsters his uh, opportunity? I think if you were thinking about voting for Kanye West, yeah, you would only be encouraged by this interview. I don't so think you, he's going to convince anybody. That's that not who you voted for. That is not. That is not. He wasn't on. He wasn't on the ballot. Um, that is. Uh, what was what was I going to say? Um, he is not who Kanye. I forgot what I was going to say, but yeah, no. <laughs> I try to pick it up from he who is not without sin cast the first stone. I lost it. I lost it. But yeah, I, I think, um, I hope he's, I hope he's, I hope he's continues to get better, but I also hope he, I don't think Kanye, Kanye has a very short list of people that he'd be willing to listen to. And I, and I think he, needs to stretch that list out not necessarily people he can talk to but people like 
Read, nigga. God damn it. <laughs> that's a that's a critique I heard from somebody um at lunch today. They were just saying that um there is it's missing academic inclination to it, which is why a lot of the thoughts and words come out sounding rather incoherent at times is that it's missing that, that appreciation for, um, for academic intellect, at least in the manner in which the information is spread out. Come on, come on, sir. Don't do that now. Um, just in the manner that the information is spread out, um, how, how he interprets it, you know, I, I, these are thought, these are all, things that people have said to me um i'm a, i'm gonna give it a look I'm, I'm i'm not pressed to watch it but i'll have a podcast now so i have no choice yeah yeah give it a look I'm, I'm not i wasn't pressed to watch that i'm more excited to take a look at um dion cole no uh, dave Sch- what dion cole dropped a special uh not a special it's him working out material for 40 minutes and, but if you know we're dion cole fans so it's right up by Ellie. this is this is great stuff. Oh. I think uh, Letterman interviewed Dave. Interviewed Dave. That's right. Letterman did get another. Uh, get, did get a Chappelle interview. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm I'll, I'll give that a look. Uh, David Letterman's a little vanilla for me. You know, a little too, a little too uh, 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 white dad jokey. But I'll give it a run. Yeah, I mean, Chappelle is Chappelle is definitely somebody I would prefer to to hear from as just like somebody who, you know, I I'm encouraged by Kanye West's, you know, uh, energy. He's energized how energetic he is. Um, but I'm much more put at ease when I listen to Dave Chappelle, break things down in a way that, you know, I think only old black souls are able to do. That's just like, yeah. Hey bro, it's hard. Gonna be hard. It's hard. Go, might be all right though. That's <laughs> gonna be hard. <laughs> It's good, Bjorn. Hey, man. I think that's I think that's covered it, man. We've been rocking over here for over an hour. Um, I think we've gone through everything on the list. If there's something that we're missing, please, guys, uh, comment below. We're building this thing up one day at a time, man. As Mal said, we're dedicated to improving the quality of this whole thing. Um, we appreciate you for rocking out with us on this journey. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And if you are at home struggling to make your community better we love you we support you you know and if you are at home just struggling to make your home better we love you we support you um indeed you are you are a part of this this community if you are listening at this point because we know we know yes we do many too many options when it comes to listening to a podcast but we appreciate you rocking with all the way live live in the sense that we are celebrating life live in the sense that we are celebrating black life, celebrating black people, celebrating black struggle live in the sense that we are figuring everything we are talking about out in real time, which we appreciate y'all. And like that, peace, love, we gone.